0: Genesis chapter 46, verses 3 and 4. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes.
1: Welcome to Walking Through the Book. I'm Stephen McCrary. And I'm Brian Bales. And I'm Stephen Richardson. And today we'd like to talk with you about the Bible. Specifically, we want to discuss Genesis chapters 46 and 47. Walking Through the Book is all about these three things. Encouraging Bible reading, demonstrating proper and responsible study of the Bible. And we want to emphasize what the text says, no more and no less. We really want to impress upon those that listen to us that we cherish the Bible. We want to cherish the Bible properly because there are a lot of people that don't, uh, but not just because of that, because we believe it is the truth. It is the the, the true essence of life, that that th- this is the will of God that's been revealed for us. And uh, it certainly is great to be together. Um, we have a, a guest with us, Stefan. Thanks for uh, being on Walking Through the Book. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, we're actually uh, at a uh, lectureship right now called profitable for Teaching which is being held at Rustic Youth Camp near Russellville, Alabama and uh, it's always a joy to, to be here we had a, a panel episode last year and we're going to try to get at least uh, uh, two episodes down this week and uh, so hopefully this is the first of, of, of at least two but uh, we're so thankful for you listening today and uh, uh, we're really nearing the end of Genesis and as we continue to see the story unfold, we see really a, it's it's a story of preparation at this point that, that God is preparing mm. his nation for. Mm. Um, but, uh, Brian, why don't you uh, let everybody know the flow of the program and how to get in touch with you, and Stefan? let everybody know how to get in touch with you as
2: well. Yeah, so just like uh, Stephen said, we um, if you've been listening to the program uh, you've probably gotten pretty familiar with how we do it by now. Uh, but if you're listening for the first time um, what we do is we just read through the text at first and make some initial observations, just things that we see within the, the reading that stuck out to us and maybe um, maybe stuck out to us in a way that it hasn't before. Uh, and so we'll, we'll just have a brief conversation about that. And then we look at themes after that where um, maybe there's things that we can we can see connect more to the overall story of Genesis that are worth pointing out. Uh, maybe to the overall story of the Old Testament, or uh, even how things connect to Jesus, especially in the section of Genesis with, with Joseph being such a clear uh, type of Christ, and, and even just maybe even to the church. Um, there's just so many different things that, that we can always seem to discover that, uh, that relate that we didn't, we didn't even realize we were there before we started uh, reading and talking. And we always try to finish with applications that we can make from the text, Uh, because we always want to leave with something that that you can hold on to as a listener and and take with you and that we can take with us as well. Um, As far as getting in contact uh, with me, um, I work with the Garden City uh, Church of Christ in uh, Savannah, Georgia. Um, uh, Our website right now is the GardenCityChurchOfChrist.org, and uh, we have a Facebook page as well if you want to look us up on there. And we were talking um, just a minute ago before recording that I haven't given out my email yet, but it is uh, cartoonguy5 at hotmail.com, uh, which is kind of a, I think I made that email address when I was like 12 years old. just never changed it. Um, so feel free to enjoy typing that in and sending me an email if you'd like to.
0: And if you need to get in contact with me, I work with the Church of Christ in Madrid, Iowa. And our website is just madridchurch.com. It's spelled like Madrid but it's madridchurch.com, and you can also find us on Facebook.
1: Very good. And I neglected to mention myself. You can find us mm-hmm. at uh, on Facebook at uh, what? I was just going, mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. No, shame on you for forgetting. Bryant is tripping me up, everyone. That's that's his uh, modus operandi right now for some reason. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can get in touch with us on Facebook. I think it's facebook.com slash book. You can also email us at walkingthroughthebook at protonmail.com. If uh, you have some feedback for the show, some things that you might like for us to discuss, I uh, would be glad to get that. And if you disagree with some of the things we're, we say on here, we'd love to hear uh, about that as well. Yeah. And uh, certainly thankful because, hey, we don't have all the answers here. We just, uh, we're studying the scriptures. We know the scriptures have all the answers, but we may uh, not be applying it in, in exactly the right way. Hmm. And uh, so please get in touch with us in, in any way possible.
2: I'm going to say it too. Like, I don't know if we've said this before, but this just crossed my mind as we were uh, inviting you as the listener to, to join in. Um, I don't know if we mentioned before that it would be neat too if like, if as you're listening, there are things that come to your mind that progress any thoughts we have further. We'd love to talk to you about those things and, and just even read or listen to any observations you get through through listening and thinking about the text as well. So you know, even if even if um, your 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 observations in in the text are different or a progression of our thoughts, we'd love to hear about that as well. Absolutely, totally agreed. Well, uh, we're going to be
1: reading Genesis forty six and forty seven, then talking about it. And I believe Stefan is going to be reading chapter forty six, and uh, Bryant, you want to read forty seven? Sure. And. Uh, <clears throat> And what what translation are you reading from, Stephanie? I'm using
2: the New American Standard 77. Okay. And for you, Brian, the New American Standard, the most recent update? 95. 95,
1: yeah. All right.
0: Chapter 46. So Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt. And I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will close your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, and their little ones, and their wives, and the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And they took their livestock and their property, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and came to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his grandsons with him, his daughters and his granddaughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now these are the names of the sons of Israel, Jacob and his sons who went to Egypt, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and the sons of Reuben, Hanuk, and Palu, Hezron, Carmi, and the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, and Ohad, and Jachin, and Zohar, and Shal the son of a Canaanite woman, and the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, and the sons of Judah, Er, and Onan, and Shelah, and Perez, and Zerah. But Er and Onan died in the land of Canaan, and the sons of Perez were Herzon and Hamul, and the sons of Issachar, Tola, and Puva, and Yob, and Shimron, and the sons of Zebulun, Sirid, and Elon, and Jahilel. These are the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob and paid in Aaron, with his daughter Dinah, all his sons and his daughters numbered 33, and the sons of Gad, Ziphion and Haggai, Shuni and Esbon, Eri and, and Ereli, and and the sons of Asher, Imnah and Ishvah and Ishvi and Bariah and their sister Sarah, and the sons of Bariah, Heber and Machiel. These are the sons of Zilpha, whom Laban gave to his daughter Leah, and she bore to Jacob these sixteen persons, the sons of Jacob's wives Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath, the daughter of, Pot- of Potiphar, the, priestess, uh, the priest of On, bore to him, and the sons of Benjamin, Bela and Beker, and Nashbel, Gera and Naaman, Ehi in Rosh, Mufim, and Hufim in Ard. These are the sons of Rachel, who were born to Jacob. There were fourteen persons in all. And the sons of Dan, Hushim, and the sons of Naphtali, Jahaziel, Guni, Jezer, and Shiliam. These are the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Rachel. And she bore these to Jacob. There were seven persons in all. All the persons belonging belonging to Jacob, who came to Egypt, his direct descendants, not including the wives of Jacob's sons, were sixty-six persons in all. And the sons of Joseph, who were born to him in Egypt, were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob, who came to Egypt, were seventy. <clears throat> now he sent Judah for him to Joseph, to point out the way before him to Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. And Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. Then Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. And Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household, who were in the land of Canaan, have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And it shall come about when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? That you shall say, Your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, that you may live in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is loathsome to the
2: Egyptians. Genesis chapter 47 Then Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, and said, My father and my brothers and their flocks, and their herds and all that they have, have come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen. He took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? So they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants live in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is at your disposal. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. And if you know any capable men among them, then put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many years have you lived? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourning are one hundred and thirty. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers, and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had ordered. Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to their little ones. Now there was no food in all the land, because the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought, and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. When the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food, for why should we die in your presence? For our money is gone. Then Joseph said, Give up your livestock, and I will give you food for your livestock, since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Pharaoh, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for their horses and the flocks and the herds and the donkeys. And he fed them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. When that year was ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent, and the cattle are my Lord's. There is nothing left for my Lord except our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, and we and our land will be slaves to Pharaoh. So give us seed, that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, For every Egyptian sold his field, because the famine was severe upon them. Thus the land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of Egypt's border to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh, and they lived off the allotment which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have today bought you and your land for Pharaoh, Now, here is seed for you, and you may sow the land. At the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four fifths shall be your own for seed of the field, and for your food, and for those of your households, and as food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt valid to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth. Only the land of the priests did not become Pharaoh's. Now Israel lived in the land of Egypt in Goshen, and they acquired property in it and were fruitful and became very numerous. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, so the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. When the time for Israel to die drew near, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Please, if I have found favor in your sight, place now your hand under my thigh and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. He said, Swear to me. So he swore to him. Then Israel bowed in worship at the head of the bed.
1: So, uh, those of you who uh, listen regularly know that in this part of the broadcast we want to kind of talk about um, just some things that really jumped out at us in the reading and some things that seem interesting uh, and we want to try to keep in the context of the chapters themselves the reading that we had uh, in total. And so, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, in <clears throat> actually just so happens that at North Columbus, where I where I preach and, and teach and work with the congregation there, blessed to be worshiping with them. Um, we're actually going through this right now, and one of the things that I saw was that this law that Joseph puts together here. Um, I mean, what what it says in verse twenty six about it's a law over the land of Egypt to this day. That history actually agrees with that. That actually this standard of what of practice of what was going on actually was something that was, that was practiced in Egypt for quite a long time. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting, hmm. but uh, w- what were some things that really jumped out at you guys?
2: One uh, quick thing, really small thing. Um, verse four, uh, just some things with Jacob going down to Egypt uh, stuck out to me. So um Verse four, where he says, "I will go down with you to Egypt." I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, and then verse seven, um, it's really interesting. It sounds like Jacob is so old that his sons were bringing him to Egypt, but in verse seven, it says that he, being Israel, brought with him to Egypt. So it's it's worded like they came with Jacob, and Jacob brought them. Uh, so that's that's really interesting. And then verse twenty six that emphasis continues all the persons belonging to jacob it concludes who came were 70 so like they you know they belong to him so that just that language about him coming to egypt stuck out to me
1: yeah it's it's an interesting thing too because maybe that is speaking accommodatively from the standpoint Mm. that you know he's going down there with his family right but he's still the leader of the family. Right, he is right. indeed the patriarch. Yeah, you know? it
2: definitely puts him in the place of focus. Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think, Stefan? Anything jump out at you? Some things are jumping out at me, but I'm not sure if it's in the straight within the context of the chapters themselves. Mm. Okay, mm, well mm, maybe mm. maybe we hold off on some things. But, <laughs> uh, I'll just I'll just kind of talk about some of the things that I mean. I, I love the fact that we get another genealogy here. Yeah, in chapter forty-six, we get more about uh, uh, these uh, particular
2: sons and these sons of sons yeah. as well. This sometimes this is the last one, isn't it? This is the last genealogy of the book, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's probably significant in a way yeah, I've thought no, about I before, because so. Genesis has so many genealogies. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and I don't think this is this is a little different in the sense that we're not. Taking a fast-forward button, but Mm. we're sort of accounting. Right, right, right. Because in verse 27, it's adding all this up. All the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70.
2: This this is the first genealogy where everyone in the genealogy... Hmm. Is everybody in this genealogy still alive? Well, not, not when Moses wrote it. I mean, I mean, when at the time when this was like they were traveling, because the other genealogies yeah. were like dead people. Yeah. Well, besides verse twelve. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good point. Yeah.
1: And that's the thing too, yeah. because I, I've read that that the actual number of people could have been like sixty-six, or mm-hmm. could have actually been more than that, seventy-five. Mm-hmm. It just depends on where you put the servants yeah, in that's that, interesting. and. But either way, I think the main point to pull from this is the that. Genealogy. You know, and and looking ahead, and really looking and seeing what's happened so far. This is still a relatively small group of people. Yeah. You know, given given the whole th- the whole uh, aspect, but yeah, right. isn't it great though? One thing that really jumps out at, uh, at me again is the Pharaohs in Genesis are so nice. Yeah, they're no, such nice is, people. <laughs> very accommodating. <laughs> Uh, especially the one that 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 Joseph works for, and the well, and when
2: Abraham encountered the Pharaoh yeah. of Egypt, like he he was a great guy, so generous. Yeah, and he like respected the concept of sin and God, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. was quite angry that Abraham was potentially bringing sin on the nation. Yeah, or no, no, I think I'm thinking the Philistine king. I think oh yeah, no, you're the thinking of Bimlax. The plagues came upon the Egyptian yes, Pharaoh, yes. but he still respected. Pharaoh still had
1: an idea that like yes. she belongs to you. I right. can't just take whoever I want. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and we know that, you know, we know that there was a time when, when uh, Egypt was a kingdom, more or less. Right. Uh, more of a kingdom. And then eventually it became more or less an empire. Right. With the Pharaoh looking almost like a, in a godlike status. I, right. I'm not an expert on that, but just from my rudimentary understanding of it, that would seem to be the case.
2: And it's interesting that Joseph is operating under the basis of the promise of future deliverance. Like it seems like they're all astutely aware of the promise that had been made to Abraham. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they know everything's coming together specifically for that promise in Genesis chapter 15, uh, which, I mean, this would be an obvious fulfillment. I think to them, if they were aware that that was told to Abraham, that they were going to be strangers in a foreign land and be oppressed for 400 years and then be delivered, you know, because it seems like at the end of verse 46, And I know that's kind of going outside of the text, but the reason I'm saying that is that makes the end of chapter 46 stick out to me, you know, where he's Mm -hmm. saying, like, he's saying, you know, I want to make sure that we're not mingling with the Egyptian culture. We need to be separated. So you Mm -hmm. say this about who we are, that way they'll be, like, we'll be loathsome to them and be separate. Yeah, we need to make that
1: clear to them. And and we'll revisit that in the next section for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, the land of Goshen is supposedly the most
2: prosperous part that's of Egypt, too. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting. Uh, so that's that's kind of incredible there. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting that uh, Jacob blesses Pharaoh. And it says it twice, so that really is emphasized. It's it's emphasized in verse 7 and in verse 10 that Jacob blessed Pharaoh. So that yeah. that's really interesting.
1: And I know I've brought this up at least two times in the podcast already, but... I just every time I read verse nine of, of chapter forty seven, I just think it's so cool because mm. here's Jacob coming full circle and he's looking back on his life and he's recognizing that I haven't lived as long as my mm. ancestors have. Right. And the yeah. life that I have had, I mean, you think about it, he's he's had a pretty hard life. Yeah. Yeah. But he you know, he had to he had to flee his home uh, right after receiving the inheritance and the blessings even though he
2: didn't get anything, he, he leaves. You know, he Whoa. leaves his home penniless, basically. Gotta so. say it. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: I, I I would agree. Something to think about there. Uh, certainly, a connection there.
2: Stephanie, so think we get something you want to say?
1: Uh, maybe. If you know, if we're already here talking about this,
0: uh, this where Jacob and Pharaoh. And Pharaoh giving things to Jacob, and Jacob blessing Pharaoh. It reminds me of back in Genesis 14, where Abraham mm. and Melchizedek meet. Mm. And then you have the greater blessing, the lesser, the lesser mm. giving. Yeah, the giving the greater is, yeah. gift. And so you have here. Um, it would appear, in some sense at least, um, maybe in God's eyes, at least. That Jacob is the greater,
1: Pharaoh, the king of this is actually the lesser. Wow, that's yeah. an awesome point. Yeah, and and by the way, we can incorporate Genesis into this section, so you're not you're not breaking any rules there. No problem. We can look back, but we got to hold back from looking forward right
2: now. Mm. Oh, so that's that's a rule. We can look back.
1: Well, we can look in the context of Genesis. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. So the initial observations it can be in Genesis. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> How long have we been? Oh. I know. I really, I legitimately did not know that. I'm like, oh, wow. I guess can, I haven't been clear can. enough.
0: When's the part we get to look forward?
1: Uh, in a little bit. That's, that's the next section. Yeah, no, I, I really, actually, I don't have anything else to, to say about that except, uh, you know, this moment at the end of chapter 47 the vow, the seriousness that Israel has with uh, his son, his son Joseph. Joseph is the only one that he trusts with
2: this by the way. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's kind of fascinating to me. I wonder if it's because of his authority in Egypt, you know, because he'll have a, he'll have a say, you know, that the other, other brothers don't have. I think
1: that's part of it. Um, I think another part, and something that we'll just keep seeing, is that uh, Jacob still loves Joseph and Benjamin Mm. more than his other sons. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily, and, and Stephen, we brought this up before in the podcast that, you know, we, we need to be careful the way that we treat these characters. We don't want to be dismissive of them because of some flaw. Um, we can recognize that this is a flaw, but at the same time we can understand why Joseph was thinking that way. Right. Uh, excuse me, why, why Jacob was thinking that way.
2: Right, and those flaws are oftentimes used as types, which mm-hmm. makes it even more amazing. Yeah. You know? yeah, absolutely. Like We talked about that with uh, Jacob and Esau. You know, Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. Jacob disguised himself like that has been one of the most incredible discoveries in our podcast of seeing how like everything about how Jacob deceived his father was actually a type of Christ. And it's like, Mm -hmm. wow, whoa. Mm -hmm. And everything in that was like deceitful and wrong. And yeah, yeah. Very interesting. So I think one other really interesting thing is this whole section dealing with the famine getting so bad that everybody ends up selling not only everything they own but themselves and the land as well like they literally sell everything that right. they possibly right. have in order to live i think because it, it's interesting how much of a focus there is all of a sudden on that you know and it's like mixed in the midst of this reunion you know
1: i i, I think it may be i don't know for sure but i think it may be because that's that's kind of what i started started talking about from the start that that uh that's another thing that Moses wrote we gotta remember who's writing and who the audience is. Moses is writing and the Israelites are reading this, right? So we can appreciate that he is making it clear that the reason that there is this Egyptian law is because Joseph made it so. Mm-hmm. And it could this this whole section could just be building up the credibility mm-hmm. of the fact that Joseph, yes, Joseph was a real person. And he did, you know, you think about 400 years, that's going to be, right. you know, quite a long time. Right. And it could be easy for people to think, well, maybe Joseph, uh, w- was Joseph really a real person? Mm. Um, but of course their oral, oral tradition upheld these things, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of types
0: in that too. Stephanie, you so you had something to say. Yeah. And thinking about, you're talking about types and thinking about this, uh, I guess we're not lo- allowed to look forward yet, but even looking back, um, this may be getting a little bit tenuous but you see these people uh, basically giving up everything for food where you go back to the very beginning of Genesis mm. the temptation they see this they see this food yeah wow and then in many yeah. ways they give up everything yeah mm-hmm. for this food Ooh. and then in verse what is it go uh, in the section that they say we will not hide from our Lord that all these things we have are gone.
3: Mm. Whereas
0: at the temptation oh. they eat and then what do they do? They try to hide from God.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So this oh, may be a little of a tenuous connection, so but
2: there. you're talking about verse eighteen? The gears are turning. Yes, that's what I was looking for. Verse there's 18. nothing left the inside of my Lord. My Lord. Oh, there's so. just there's so much to say here. Wow. I have to hold on to some thoughts. So one one thought that just crossed my mind is you're talking about that, Stefan. This is the first time oh man this is the first time in in Genesis where you see a fulfillment of Genesis 12 verse 3 I will bless those who bless you and curse those mm-hmm. who curse you mm-hmm. everybody and through you all the nations of the world will be blessed This is the first time the world is coming to a descendant of Abraham for a blessing mm-hmm. and recognizing that if they don't get it from him they'll be cursed So they'll it's like lie. yeah so this is this is like the end of the book now and Genesis yeah. 12 is being fulfilled and it's the first time we've seen that. You know, one thing we didn't mention the previous episode, I think, was,
1: you know, what what motivated. You know, initially Jacob refused to send Benjamin down with the brothers, right? Mm-hmm. What motivated him the second time to relent and allow that to happen? Mm-hmm. I think it was because all the food was out, right? And they recognized if if this doesn't happen, we're going to die. Interesting. Yeah. And so you've got people. You know, this famine is creating a situation where people's backs are against the wall. And they're recognizing that the only way they can get through this
2: is to go to Yeah, so interesting. The son of son of Israel. Yeah, and it's like and maybe you were even saying this stuff and like it's a reversal of the of you know, Eve sinned by taking the food, and now if they don't take the food, they'll die. Yeah. It's like wow. Mm.
1: Yeah. Interesting stuff to think about. Yeah, this is it's just wow. Ugh well available. if there's nothing else on this we can move ahead Maybe there's like.
2: one last super minor thing super super minor in verse 2 um, of chapter 46 God spoke to Israel in the night at Beersheba and I think that's interesting because it Jake, Jake seemed like Jacob was going to go no matter what mm-hmm. you know. so it's interesting that God speaks to him but then the fact that it's in at night because didn't isn't when Jacob first saw the Lord at Bethel wasn't that at night wasn't that in A Dream in the Night? I believe Yes. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And then Abraham in Genesis 15, when it was told to Abraham that his <clears throat> descendants would be put into a foreign land, that was also a vision at night. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's some kind of like connection there. It's just, it's just interesting to note. I just, you know, just like an initial observation, just something interesting.
1: Wasn't Beersheba where um, Abraham
2: and Abimelech made their covenant together? <sighs> There's a bunch of stuff that happened at Beersheba in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because I've been rereading Genesis in my personal studies and like, I don't know if I've I've been using a different Bible for my personal reading of Genesis so I don't have my notes. I might be
1: thinking of, of Abimelech and uh, and Isaac but I'm not sure.
2: I'm trying to remember where it says, and then it was first called Beersheba. Do either of you remember that was, where it was first called Beersheba? I should remember that. I, I seriously just read that. I'm sorry for the so in, listener.
0: So in Genesis 28, okay. 10, it's already called yeah, Beersheba. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh,
1: 26, chapter 26 and verse 33, 33. He called it Sheba, therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Okay. And my footnote has that as the will of the oath. But I'm sorry, Stefan, what were you saying? I was just saying that in... Here in 28 and mm-hmm. it's already called Brasheba.
0: Jacob's mm-hmm. there at Bersheba. Mm-hmm. Um, then verse 20, Jacob's making this choice. says, If God will be with me and will mm-hmm. keep me on this journey that mm-hmm. I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and to return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. Mm-hmm. And if all that thou dost give me, I will surely give a tenth to thee. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of things yeah. here tying in with that. Coming yeah. full circle. Yeah. yeah Where definitely. now Jacob's the father, um, giving a certain portion. Hmm. Uh, a lot of things
1: tying in here. And of course, just generally, here's God encouraging Jacob about this trip. You right. know, you're doing the right thing. You know, I'll be with
2: you. And then Genesis 21 31 is also, it says, he called that place Beersheba. Hmm. And that's Abraham. So yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of interesting things with their sheep in here and then baffle with the vision. That's fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm. What uh, quick question for me since I've, I've not been on here before. Uh, when you covered you may not remember, when you covered Genesis twenty eight, um, did you talk any about how Jacob's saying, Then the Lord will be my God? If I remember right, that's the first time in the Bible, that anyone says uh, says, "Rather than like the Lord or the God of my fathers, will be my God." Interesting.
2: No, I don't. I don't remember pointing that out or noticing that.
0: But then here, in forty-six verse three, God says, "I am the God of your fathers."
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: So I, I'm not really sure what point I'm making with that. No, I think it's <laughs> interesting.
1: Yeah, it is. That it is it, is. it is a thing. Well, uh, no, I, I actually was reading through um, Exodus this morning, and when he talks to Moses, he's like, "to to uh, your your fathers, I was God Almighty, but now I'm to be known as the Lord," and and that's fascinating too, where where the relationship is short, sort of shifting a little bit. Uh-huh. So, and I'm breaking my own rules there, but still. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Gracious Father,
1: So we want to dig deeper. We want to go further into what these chapters mean in terms of the rest of the Bible. We want to make some parallels. We want to consider the bigger picture of what's going on here and the import, the importance of uh, of what's going on uh, throughout the whole of Scripture, not just uh, not just these two chapters. So, um, what are some things, Stefan, That I know you were sort of. Uh, chomping at the bit there for a second I could tell uh, what, what were some parallels you were seeing Or some some threads that you wanted to tie together there Well I don't want to point uh, uh, t- Chomp at the bit too
0: hard <laughs> But one thing that really Jumped out at me uh, This is really the first time I've noticed it probably uh, Chapter 46 Verse Verse 30 and We talk about it, Joseph as a type of the Christ mm-hmm. And all this And mm-hmm. um, Forty-six thirty. Then Israel said to Joseph, "Now let me die, since I have seen your face, that you are still alive." Mm. Thinking of Luke chapter two. Ooh. Oh wow, yeah.
2: Oh, that's so good. Uh, where are we? I'm trying to look.
0: Luke two twenty-five. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now oh, that's really good. Uh, going, verse 29, Now, Lord, let that thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen the sa- thy salvation which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel.
2: Mm-hmm. That is awesome.
1: That's really and cool. and uh, you know maybe this is just too obvious, but obviously, what's Jesus' earthly father's name? Joseph. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, I don't know.
2: That's 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 a good parallel to bring up, though. It's interesting because. In verse 32 of Luke 2, the light of the revelation of the Gentiles. And like, that's what Joseph was. That's exactly what it is. Gentiles. Yeah, he yeah. was a light of hope. Yeah. Yeah. He was bringing he salvation. He
1: saved the kingdom of right. Egypt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Amazing. Well, rather God did, but I mean, God right, did it through, through him. him. Yeah. Very interesting. And I, let, me, let me say on that note, too, that it is so fascinating that 400 years from now, God will be using his servant Moses to bring down the kingdom of Egypt. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. At least for a time. Hmm. And, and that's really reading that and getting ready. I mentioned earlier at, at North Columbus and Columbus, Mississippi, we're uh, getting ready to go into Exodus uh, in the next couple of weeks. And really is fascinating to be talking about this and at the same time thinking about and preparing for mm. that whole situation with Pharaoh and Exodus. It's just really, really... Amazing uh, how God chose to do that. Um, numbering numbering the people I think is something that that goes on throughout the Old Testament. Um, you know God wants us to understand at certain times the numbers of these nations. Um, I know' they're, they're not a nation yet and I think that's part of what the whole point is that they're mm. so tiny. They're not a nation yet, but they're going to Egypt to become a nation. And on that same point, the the fact that the Egyptians uh, uh, despise them for their ways, you know, that that's not what was happening in Canaan. And, and in fact, what you find is that all of these brothers, just about all of them, had married Canaanite wives. Mm. Married Canaanite. Nah, they weren't wives when they married him. You get what I mean, but. Uh, um, but, but the whole point is that they're going to a place where they're going to be separate and the culture is going to keep them separate. Mm-hmm. and that's that's just really uh, you know the fact that God is is providing this situation for for them to go into, where they're going to be pure mm-hmm. as a people, for him uh, that that really is interesting to me because what does God expect when we see, in the New Testament, you know, Jesus talks about holiness. Um, the the New Testament authors talk about holiness. Right. Um, and being more like God and seeking to be holy. Paul talks in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 6 of separating ourselves from uh, those who are wicked or, you know, keeping ourselves pure as mm-hmm. Christians. And so that whole aspect, I, I want to say, too, uh, for the sake of our listeners too we're not talking about physical purity racial purity anything like that no that's that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about spiritual purity that uh, is only going to be uh, attained if we seek to be holy like God is holy mm-hmm. and seek to be his people in the way that he wants us to be you guys have anything on that?
2: mm I guess, I guess maybe one thing is like, I remember I talked about in a previous episode how Egypt almost seems like in some of the ways it's described, kind of like how we saw here again, like the, the priesthood land that wasn't sold to Pharaoh, which is another really interesting focus here. But I remember mentioning, I remember, I remember mentioning that um, it seems like Egypt is a type of the physical Israel uh, of the Old Testament in some ways. And I was looking at the beginning of Romans chapter 11, which, you know, Paul is, the Apostle Paul in Romans 11 is defending that his God's rejecting Israel of the flesh was not a contradiction of his promises, but rather that the remnant of his choice was always safely being protected within the nation, even if no one else could perceive it or realize it. And I wonder if that's kind of like this is. Israel was, even though it was always an evil nation of the flesh that was rebellious, within that nation, God had an environment of refuge and safety for people of faith. And even when it was hard for them to live within the nation, it was still the best place for people of faith to be, to know God and to know how they could be protected by God, even as they were suffering. And so I wonder if I wonder if that's kind of like this, you know, and there would come a time just like in Egypt, so in Israel as well, where the cry to God for freedom and liberty from the nation of Israel would be so great and the sins would rise so high that a deliverer would need to come to free them from that bondage. Mm-hmm.
1: On, on that same basis too, they're going to a land that they have not bought. Mm. They haven't. They were given. Anything wow. for. They're yeah. given. this Wow, no, that's a really good point. Wow, very
2: similar to when yeah. Israel eventually goes to the promised land. Yeah, no, that's really good. That's really really good. And, the, and it's the best of all lands. hmm mm-hmm.
1: Of course, there's a lot throughout the Old Testament about vows and uh, that sort of promises, but we know that that you know looking looking ahead in the Book of Genesis that Joseph is, is going to follow through with uh, with Israel's request. He's going to return to Canaan when when. Uh, Jacob dies and right. bring him back to that land. And uh, In similar way, we see that Joseph himself wants to be taken back when the children of Israel go back to the promised land. And right. Think about these bones being there in the tomb for 400 years. Mm. Really interesting. Um, I don't know that I've really mentioned this before, and I'm going to go ahead and say it now, even though in our narrative Joseph hasn't died yet. There, it's kind of interesting when you look at There's a documentary I saw about, um, I think it was about the Exodus, Mm. and it mentioned this tomb that had been excavated that had basically 12 tombs. Oh, yeah. And I I think I talked to you about this at one time. Yeah. That one of those tombs had a statue in it with a man, it was a man in like this multicolored robe. Mm. And... You know, the possibility is that this, this could be Joseph's tomb. It, it's in the place that would have been the land of Goshen mm. in Egypt. Mm. And But uh, when they excavated they they found no bones mm. inside of the main casket mm. or that's sarcophagus, whatever you want to say. Mm. So that's extra <laughs> extracurricular. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that that's exactly the case, but uh, I thought that was fascinating. But... um Stephen, did you have something? Yes, you got some uh, there.
0: While while you guys were talking about that, I just noticed that it particularly points out in verse twenty eight of chapter forty seven, particularly points out that Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years. And you know, I'm not saying there's some sort of secret numerical code throughout the whole Bible. But I was thinking, you know, it specifically points out that this is seventeen years. Hmm. Um Joseph was 17 years old Mm. when he was betrayed. Mm. Interesting. And then I was thinking, I was looking up, what other times does 17 appear in the Bible? One of the only, it's very few times, one of the only other times it appears is in Jeremiah 32 where Jeremiah buys a field for 17 shekels. Mm. And so he talks about it. He buys a field. It's talked about Whoa. and then down in verse whoa, that's this, this is going to be deep connection uh, right here I trying to, I've lost my place here here anyway here in Jeremiah 32 he buys the field it's talked about and then here uh, verse 18 shows loving kindness to thousands mm. um, going down verse 20 who has set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt Verse 21, you have brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs with wonders and a strong hand with an outstretched arm with great terror, so on and so forth. Um, but it's just this interesting connection where so many of these uh, mentions of 17 do have to do with, with Joseph, with Egypt, and with God's working in all that. Yeah, and,
2: Genesis, and Jeremiah 32, he's purchasing land for future promise. Yes. So he's weighing out that silver and giving it, giving the 17 shekels, was it, of silver? Because Jerusalem's about to be destroyed, which is going to be the end of God's promise, seemingly. And Jeremiah has to be reassured by God that even though it looks so bad, this is a down payment on the fact that God's going to bring them back to that land. Just like that's, I mean, that's exactly what's being said here. Yeah. That's really, really interesting.
1: This is not the last time the yeah. sons of Israel will be in the land of Canaan.
2: Mm. That is deep. So speaking of that, one other theme I noticed, verse 29. Of chapter 46, 46, 29. No. <laughs> um, when Joseph was met by Israel, uh, as soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. Uh that really reminds me of Luke 15 uh, with the prodigal son. Yeah. <laughs> in Luke 15, 20, when the prodigal son comes back to the father, says, "Well, he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and, and kissed him. Now, in verse 24, the reason for this, the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. That's Joseph.
1: That's jo- yeah, that's, that, well, that's what Jacob thought of Joseph. Yeah, yeah, he was dead. He
0: was and dead. now and he's, he's alive. Gone. He
1: was lost and he's been found. Well,
0: even more tie-ins with that. Verse 22, um, the father has a rope, uh, the best rope put on him. Mm. Um, and then verse 23, there's a calf that's killed.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, you know... I can't. I can't believe I, I did. I neglected to mention this in the previous section. But go, go ahead, Steph. I was going to say,
0: um, going on down to verse, verse
1: twenty-five. There's an older son mm. who's jealous. Hmm. Mm. 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 I, I can't believe I, I neglected to mention this in the previous section because you know w- when you look at chapter forty-five, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. You know. Uh, uh, Jacob learns that Joseph is still alive it says the spirit of Jacob their father revived then Israel said it is enough Joseph my son is still alive I will go and see him before I die hmm. and and you think about the emotion in this moment it's just it blows my mind because he's been away for 22 years he was ret- wrenched away from his home and forced basically to live uh, a, a tough life And yet God blessed him all through this. And he probably had, you know, there probably was a time where Joseph had given up hope of ever seeing his father again.
2: I'm not sure, but I get that impression. In the prodigal son, it's the son coming to the father. Here it's the father Mm -hmm. coming to the son. Mm -hmm.
1: And in in this case, it's no fault of Joseph's that he left. Right, right, right. You know, it's it's, so it's the other ones, and that that could you know think about how that might tie in with the older brother mm. in the prodigal son. Mm. You know, what was mm. his issue? He failed to accept his younger brother. Right, right, right. Even though, and it's much worse in this, of course, because mm. they fail to accept Joseph, mm. and there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. And, right, and you know, so it's it's more of a testament to to the wickedness of, of these sons. Um, but, you know, we've been seeing all through these past chapters how these brothers are changed men. They're different mm. now. And I think we're going to see that even more so toward the end of the book again. Mm.
2: So. so another thing I noticed is um, with the famine idea, just like they had to sell themselves completely, it just it reminds me of the parable jesus taught in matthew chapter 13 the treasure hidden in hidden in the field that when it was discovered he sold everything he had to put purchase it you know and how it's almost like an example like they recognized they were going to die and they recognized that selling themselves was a fair way for them to live Mm -hmm. and that's like the gospel like is god asking us to sell everything for the kingdom is that is that reasonable? Well, is that unfair? Right. And what well, they were receiving seed. That's it. They were receiving seed. We receive, when we sell ourselves, God more than makes up for what we sell mm-hmm. in giving us the riches of his spirit and his kingdom and eternal life and the promises of the glory that is yet to even be revealed that can't be described. So it's like, if they were willing to sell their land and their bodies to Pharaoh just to get some seed and live, like how much more should I be eager about selling myself and it's interesting Luke 14 right before the parable of the prodigal son Luke 14 has that seemingly harsh command from Jesus when he says if you don't sell everything you have you can't be my disciple well that's exactly here if they didn't sell everything they had they weren't going to live
1: So we want to apply the lessons that we've learned here. And uh, one of the first things I want to delve back into is what we really just talked about, um, you know, the brothers and their willingness. And, and, and I know this this these chapters don't literally talk about this, but mm-hmm. this is the fruit of their efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been discussing over the past few episodes how they do not assume a victimhood status. They mm-hmm. don't claim, well, who are you, Pharaoh, to treat us this way? Or, or Joseph, or whoever, whatever his actual title was. Um, and, and they completely go along with that. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think what you brought up, Brian, is a great question for us to ask. How, how much am I willing to lose for the sake of the gospel, right. for the sake of the kingdom? Right. Yeah, um, Everything should be on the line, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the fact is, if you've agreed to become a Christian, to become a child of God... You've already decided that you're a slave; mm-hmm. that you don't really have a choice about the matter. We always have a choice, yeah, but right. ultimately, uh, you've you've made that promise to God that I'm going to be your disciple, that I'm going to be your follower.
2: Yeah. Now that makes me think of First uh, Corinthians chapter six, uh, when they sold themselves. First um, Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. Says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore, glorify God in your body. And so the idea is just like they sold themselves to be slaves of Egypt, and they could still live their own lives, but they were obligated to live for whatever the Egyptian government, whatever that. Yeah, called you're for.
1: talking about in in chapter forty-seven there. Right. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That willingness
2: to go along with the plan. Right. right. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And one of the immediate applications of First Corinthians six is fleeing immorality. Mm-hmm. You know, so one of the things is we have to understand when we're under the government of God that we are servants to the purpose and the governing law that god regulates us to be under and it's a purpose of life just like they understood that joseph's commands were commands that were life-giving and that god's commands for us are equally commands that are life-giving and the and the alternative is death right right yep
1: well uh Stephen, what were there any immediate applications or any applications that you see that we need to maybe think about? Uh, the
0: couples I'm still trying to develop mm. in my mind right now. Um, I don't know if you'd call this an immediate application necessarily. Um, chapter forty-seven, verse twenty-nine. Um, you have you have Israel's time to to be done is. Is near, and then you have the type of Christ coming after, mm. and then um, he's swearing to him, putting his hand under his thigh. Of course, that's I understand that's fairly common mm-hmm. in that time and place, but I th- I'm not one hundred percent sure. But I think the only time thigh is used in the New Testament is in Revelation. Mm. When the name is written uh, on side, the side. Interesting. Of Christ. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. And so my, my thoughts about this aren't fully developed, but I do think it's very interesting how how there's so many tie ins here, but particularly there where it's Israel's time to be
1: done and then this type of Christ is coming. Hmm?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah.
1: And, and I think the way that Jacob is looking mm-hmm. toward the end of his life, I think, mm-hmm. is 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 good. And I think that's a good application for us to mm-hmm. to recognize and appreciate that, you know, <clears throat> and, and, and to understand that that humility. I mean, how much has Jacob learned in the course of his life um, from his time of deceit, mm-hmm. from his time of being deceived by his uncle Laban? Mm-hmm. Uh, from the time of dealing with the issues with Rachel and Leah and all of that squabbling that they had um, and, and and losing a treasured son um, and all of that turmoil uh, and now he's facing this mighty king and he is uh, he, he's humbly approaching him in this way right, willing to bless him and um, Yeah, just a lot a lot of things to think of there. Perhaps one thing that we can appreciate too is that, you know, we need to, and this kind of goes along with what what you were saying, Bryant, that we need to be willing to go where God wants us to go in order Mm. to live. Yeah. Um. And and certainly none of us, uh, none of us here, have dealt with. Such extreme conditions as we see here, but we know that famines still happen in the world. We know that hunger is still a problem for people. But uh, we need to appreciate that we need to have a spiritual
2: hunger and know that wherever God wants me to be, that's where I need to go. Right. And it's a better place. Yes. You know, because like I think about that with like the struggle of the call of God to sacrifice, you know, because like obedience always requires some kind of sacrifice, you know. And you can either in your sacrifice only focus on the thing that you're sacrificing, which you obviously have affection for, or it wouldn't be a sacrifice, or you can focus on the grace that's drawing you to a better place. You know, I think about like simple things like maybe if, if you just need more time to invest in brethren, maybe more time to invest in just reading the scripture and meditating on the scripture, maybe you need to be spending less time on the internet or on Facebook, you know, just... You know, you've got to make a sacrifice or maybe, you know, assembling with your local church, you've got to make a sacrifice to be able to be more present there or, you know, whatever, you know, be more hospitable, be more evangelistic, like whatever it is, if there's something that you see that is in your conscience you need to do or that I need to do, you know, the, the call of God's sacrifice, the place of sacrifice, it always, always contains a greater blessing. You and know? That,
1: that's a really good point, too, because sometimes... There may be something that is better for us, but maybe mm. we don't have the right spiritual eyes to be able to see right, that that's right. better. Yeah, right, right. Um, just like we, we may never actually flex our spiritual muscles. We've talked a lot today, I think, uh, earlier today at, at the lectureship about evangelism, mm. and I think that's one of those things that as a Christian we need to be constantly uh, encouraged to flex that muscle mm. and make sure that we're we're actually exercising.
2: Uh, that aspect of, of our spiritual lives. Right, yeah, that's a great point. So I guess one last application that I noticed. Um, verse 18, this is going to sound a little strange, um, but they chose not to hide that their money was all spent. And it almost sounds like they say that out of, like, embarrassment. Like, you know, we, we're not going to hide it, that we're actually totally destitute. Mm-hmm. Luke 11 and 12 Uh, in Luke 11 Jesus presses the Pharisees that they were hiding their destitution so he said in verse uh, 44 woe to you for you are like concealed tombs and the people who walk over them are unaware of it Um, he said in verse 39 now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the platter but inside of you you are full of robbery and wickedness you foolish ones did not he who made the outside make the inside also but give that which is within his charity that all things are clean for you so he's, he's telling them like you know god knows you're hiding destitution within yourself and you're just unwilling to reveal it mm-hmm. well there's there's a connection of thought in luke it's there's a, there's a very luke is very interesting because ideas are connected in ways that are so subtle it actually will not appear as if any relation exists between <coughs> between stories that are now moving on to different time and circumstance, but it's actually connected. So in Luke 12, in the first few verses, Luke 12 says to be, as the crowds are increasing, Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And then he goes on to talk about how there's nothing uncovered, there's nothing secret that's not going to be exposed and brought to light. And so Jesus is saying, like, don't be like the Pharisees who are are hiding their destitution, know that God, God knows the secrets of our hearts. He knows our secret sins. He knows the thoughts that we struggle with, the, the, the inner things that we, we, we fear to reveal to others. And so in verses four through seven, Jesus says we're valuable to God, so he needs us to acknowledge out of a fear and reverence for him that we need his help, that we need him to be our source of healing and strength. And he needs us to turn our eyes and our attention away from the fear and respect of men that leads us to put on some kind of front of seeming to be better than God has actually said, I really am, so that I can fall into the hands of his grace, which is exactly what they had to do in Joseph's time. They had to acknowledge their destitution so that they could fall into the hands of his grace and receive more seed and live. And that's just, that has really stuck with me recently because I I actually have just recently um, taught on Luke 12 and have been thinking a lot about that and that,
1: that ties into a lot of New Testament passages mm. not least of which Revelation 3 with uh, Laodicea mm. you know um, yeah. yeah, verse yeah. Uh, chapter 3 verse That's 17 good. of Revelation really because yeah. you say yeah. I am really rich good. have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched miserable poor blind and naked I counsel you to buy from me gold refined yeah. in the fire that you may be rich, in white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness that may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And so that that is a constant, I think. And even though, obviously, this point with Joseph would not necessarily relate to the salvation of these people spiritually, you know, we're still talking about a pagan kingdom that didn't follow God, per se. Right. Uh, but... At the end of the day, we recognize this this very much applies to our spiritual nature. Mm. That I need to know where I am. I need to know uh, know, what's the state of my treasures in heaven. Do I have those treasures in heaven? Or am I too busy worrying about my treasures here on earth? No, that's great.
0: I think we can see a theme like that really throughout the whole scripture. You Mm. see... Yeah, yeah. You you never see... Hmm. um, in scripture, and really not in you know our life right now. You never see people. You never see people saying, "Well, you know, I have this possession or this possession, and I like it more than I like eating, so I'm just going to stop, death, and die." But then, when it comes to spiritual things, right? People constantly choose all these other things over their spiritual nutrition, their spiritual food their spiritual needs, it's so easy for people to see it in the physical life,
2: mm. but they blind themselves to it in their spiritual life. Yeah. Yes. Jesus actually said that in Luke 16 when he said mm-hmm. the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation mm-hmm. to their own mm-hmm. kind than the sons of light. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is yeah. saying is like when people are dealing with money and possession and worldly gain, the degree of response to loss and to get more is much more wise and people exercise so much more creative thought to self preservation rather than to their spiritual life.
1: Well, is that about wrap it up for you guys? Maybe I'm not sure we can I go think on, I've and said, said on and on and yeah. on. Uh, well,
2: I think I've said all I, all I can think of saying. Yeah. Cause I was even to, thinking about how like that relates to all the prophets, like all the prophets were constantly urging the people like acknowledge your destitution. Yeah. Like, Consider your ways. Yeah, you are so destitute. Like in Isaiah chapter 1, he's like, guys, yep. God has been disciplining you to the point where there's nothing left to do, and you're acting like everything's okay. Like you're a destitute nation. You're worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. It's like, wow. And he said, like, if you just wash yourselves, you'll be clean. He's like, he's like you can be forgiven. The solution you know? is so simple. Yeah, he's like, you can be forgiven. It doesn't have to stay this way.
1: Mm. Yeah, A lot of good things to say and think of. Yeah. Well, we're really thankful for you listening today, and uh, hopefully it was useful for you. And uh, uh, Stefan, thanks so much for being yeah. with us, man. Well, thanks, thanks for, for having me. Really yeah. was great, and uh, thank you for being here too, Bryant. Yeah,
2: uh, I am here. <laughs> thanks for being along for <laughs> the ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, all right. Next time we're going to be going into Genesis 48 and possibly finishing the rest of the book. Until that time, study well and be lights to God's glory. Oh,